Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, joined tonight by Josh Cacho. Josh, how are you doing? I'd like to say that I'm happy, or even sad for that matter, because it's probably better for the pod. But I find myself somewhere in the middle where you're just going, eh, you know, go home performance after after the, uh, what's it called? After a long stretch of games, right? This is kind of the, the last one before you finally get a get some rest. So I did wonder what level of effort, uh, effort's probably on the rubber, what, what they had left in the tank, really, and what yeah. and what they were willing to expend going away on the road, that kind of thing. Like I said, I think there were questions as to what what they were, how much they were really going to push it. That's kind of probably what I'm, where I'm like, were they willing to push it for a win or they were they going to be content to sit back on the counter, try to get an early goal and then bunker in? Um, you know, given, given the circumstances in terms of what, what the, what it means heading into it. Like, or do you just go all out, push for that win on the road, you know, finish on a good note because you're not really doing anything for a couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly the end of this long streak, which turned into quite a miserable streak of games for LAFC where they just seemed like they couldn't get anything together. We've talked about the number of scoreless matches that they had well, scoreless on, on LAFC's part, the number of losses um, and just kind of like the general malaise and the lack of an ability to get at the goal. Um, other than a, a few lucky goals here or there from Bowanga, or, you know, we talked to, to death about this idea that they just give it to him and see what, what he can do. Um, but yeah, last night, um, I, I felt like they looked pretty good. The first, the first 15, 20 minutes were uh, a bit nerve wracking. It seemed like Minnesota was just swarming all over them. They had no answers for Reynoso. Uh, Stipe Buke seemed to have drawn the short straw and being the guy to come back and help double him with Ryan Hollingshead, it did not work well. Again, it's, it's tough for me to know without having a press pass and talking to, to Chirondolo about it. Uh, And to my knowledge, nobody asked about it. Uh, Nobody ever will ask these types of questions, but in my mind, that should be a midfielder flattening out and doing it. I, again, I don't know the assignments, but it seems like that should be a, it seems like it's a matchup that you want to put, Sifu on, not your 20-year-old attacking winger on like a really dynamic attacker from Minnesota. Well, uh, and especially out of the 4-3-3, right? I think when you it's look at... a long at way the, to come back, yeah. Right. When we look at the shape in which we're defending in, um, you know, like typically, right, the way that you would see is like the six flattens out in between, in between the center backs or towards the middle of the center backs. And then the eights usually are going to track back into their own half space and then pull out wide, correct? Well, especially point. especially when you have a six like uh, like you do with Ilya, who is great on the ball. He reads the game so well, and he's he's a great. But his game is predicated on intercepting passes, right? He's playing passing lanes. He's not the one that's going to chase everybody down, a la Ty, Tyler Adams, and just be a destroyer from that position, right? He, like you said, wants to hang out in the middle, read the game and step to intercept passes. That's a great strategy when playing six. There's different ways to to skin that cat, right? So like you said, you do want your eights to come back, cover the half spaces and then come out wide. So again, I I don't know why. Um, Because it happened so many times in a row and because Sifu is 
generally okay defensively. Um, or at least he's billed that way to us. Like that's the reason he played the nine so much is because he's so good in the press and Chicho wasn't. Um, to me, that's the that's who should have drawn the assignment. Well, and again, and especially when you look at the way that the, you know, because Hollingshead has been inverting into the midfield quite a bit as of late. Oh, right? I mean, that's that's where he, that's his attacking aside. That's another conclusion you can draw yes. about how they play, right? right? So, so Hollingshead tucks in from that right back and then yeah. Buick is out wide, right? As a true winger playing mm-hmm. off that right-hand side, which, like I said, we talked about that last week. He actually looks more effective there because he can do more things, right? Instead of just having yeah. to cut in and do something, he can either play a shot or get to the end line and, and cross back in, right? Mm-hmm. Like in true winger status. Um, again, we're not looking at him to be the next Aryan Robin at this point, right? Right, now. right. Um, and so I do wonder if maybe that's why he ends up out wide that wide. But again, like we're saying, it's it's a lot it's a long distance to have to cover all things considered. So you would hope that the response would be to have the eight on that side flatten out into space. But yeah, especially if Hollingshead is pinching in, right. You think it'd be more natural, but again, I think Sifu is so focused on getting into the half space and you know, that he's often far, too far upfield, which again, sometimes he's in the half space in someone else's lane as well yeah yeah well and i mean again i'll come to sifu's defense one more time here because again i don't know the assignments but when they press oftentimes it looks like it's out of a two four uh four two four with sifu stepping up and being like a fourth first like a fourth man in that first line of the press yeah which is probably to hide carlos vela yeah right right right. so you can you can kind of split that responsibility so carlos isn't chasing everybody um i do like what you said though and I, i think um, with Buke on the right side, he does seem like he's so much more effective. He's able to get around guys and start dribbling back in towards the goal. Uh, and like you said, with with Hollingshead coming into the midfield, it makes so much more sense. Let Hollingshead be in the in the half space, and let Buke be your wide player out there. Right? Um, I kind I kind of love this idea, especially with Carlos in the middle. Um, like just just go ahead and put Buke out there on the right and, and let him do his thing. And he's done it for two games now and it's looked a lot better. Now, small sample size. We've seen, we've seen him struggle plenty. Um, but to me, he just looks so much more comfortable. It's kind of like, the, it's kind of like when you see Bogic play at center forward and he doesn't look comfortable. That's what Steve Buke looks like to me on the left wing. And then you put him out on the right wing or you put Bogus in the middle and it's like, Oh, well, this kid can actually kind of ball and let's just let him, let's put him in a position where he's comfortable and stop overtaxing him. Yeah. And the thing is he makes smart decisions, right? It's, I mean, it is his flick on coming into the middle of the field off of, off of Sifu's kind of yeah. like redirected header that it springs Carlos Vela. Right. And right. man, Carlos puts on the jets like it's, you know, 2019. That's two goals for him in a row, man, where he's in that same mode, right. Where he's unhitched guys the trailer. Up. And again, maybe maybe we're in like the the Shaquille O'Neal Carlos Vela season where you know if you, I don't know if you remember like the end of that like Lakers two thousand that early two thousands run yeah. where Shaq would show up like sixty pounds overweight <laughs> and then by somewhere around mid mid to late season he's yeah. probably he's played himself back in the shape you know and I, I think I forget who it was. 
there was one game that we had watched, and I think the Spanish commentary was calling him was had had mentioned that they thought he was he was a bit pudgy, right? Mm. Which again, mm. like for him supposedly having got a, a personal, personal trainer for, trainer the, first for time, the first time. Yeah, I mean maybe they're really focused on strength training and it wasn't enough plyo or something <laughs> like that. I don't know, but um, but he definitely looks like he's got more of a gear than I than we saw earlier in the season. Yeah, right. Like that. I haven't seen him be able to get on that horse, and you know, and he uses more physicality than he did in his, you know, in his previous life. Right. Like I, my, I. There's this video that talks, you know, that just kind of goes over like the enigmatic Carlos Vela and how much he loves basketball so much more than, um, yeah, than soccer. And I was showing it to my wife, but the way that he's able to separate previously is just unreal, right? And then. Right. When you look at it now, it's like, okay, he's got to do it in a different way, but it seems like he's starting to kind of figure out what that means, right? It's like, yeah, maybe he can't just use a burst, but he's also in better positions to do it, right? I think he is is good enough and smart enough and has high enough IQ to be able to figure out, to interpret that space properly, right? Like we've, we've talked about like, Okay, we, do we have a nine that can interpret the space? And da, da, da. I do think that he does that really well. Now it's just yeah. a matter of who do you put around him, and are they how credible are they to make teams pay? Right. right. So the thing is, Buanga's been that guy, and Avella is going to drop in or move differently off the ball. You got to have people who are either going to be able to feed him, which hasn't quite been. The either Bogush or Sifu or name whoever. They've kind of, or a Poku, right? None of those guys are going to do anything to make Vel's life easier at the, at, in the four, at a forward position or mm-hmm. Sifu in a advanced 10, 10 role. Bogush right, may be right. in the 10, but definitely as a center forward, Bogush is not doing much to help Vela. Neither no. was a Poku, right? No. And Buke on occasion does it, right? But again, you need to see probably more consistent. He's looked better. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that's kind of the biggest. Again, another another thing is like, okay, if Carlos is running into shape, can we put enough talent around him and Buanga to now? Again, like we talked about before, it doesn't need to be Aubameyang, right? It could be random striker that we pull out of Colombia that becomes the next, you know, Chicho Arango. Yeah. I'll tell you what I like about Carlos's goal. I think the most, and it's that. There's finally a striker, and again, not saying that he's a permanent striker there, but there's finally somebody there who gives you something other than a vertical run. And for whatever reason, all these American managers are just so focused on quote-unquote verticality. And it's like definitely part of this American game model out of a 4-3-3 where they say things like, oh, well, we're, we're going to – it's a positional play system. And I'm talking about Greg Berhalter. I'm talking about Peter Vermees. I'm talking about Steve Chirundolo, uh, Jim Curtin to an, to an extent. All these guys are that, that are all the same age and doing the same exact thing to varying uh, levels of success. But Carlos will give you movement laterally. And what that does is it enables Carlos to go find a positional advantage like you talked about. He's good at interpreting space. He'll get a positional advantage. He'll position himself outside a center back so that when Buke pops the ball in front of the other center back, it's Carlos running diagonal, right? And at this point, it's just about angles. 
It's about him getting into space to get on the ball at an appropriate angle. Um, Opoku doesn't give you that. Opoku gives you straight line up and down the field. That's it. Bogush is not a forward. We've already talked about that. Buke doesn't do that, right? Bowanga doesn't even do that, really. Bowanga is a straight line type of guy up and down the up and down the flank. Vela is the only guy that gives you a little bit of that. I think you see that in both those goals where, again, he's positioning himself outside defenders, looking for a positional advantage. This is what we've talked about uh, in terms of them not being super effective uh, playing so direct is that they, by the time the ball gets to gets to Bawanga on those huge switches or wherever, they're playing so direct to him that the positional advantage that he did have is now gone. Um, anyway, I, I do I do like that what we see out of that, and it and it does make me wonder. Okay, if they bring in a winger like Chuki, who's going to be much more effective than Buke at least right now, right? Because he's in his prime. Uh, I do think he's got to rehabilitate his career a little bit because he's it hasn't gone the way that anybody uh, himself included would have predicted. Um, but he plays that right wing position a little bit differently, right than than Vela does because he's not that he's not looking for that left foot. And so maybe this is a sign of of what to, of what is to come, where you have Chuki playing this similar position to Stepe Buke and Hollingshead coming inside to add additional support on the inside. And then Carlos might be more effective because Chuki is a guy that they're going to have to respect or get burned. Um, all the while this opens up more space for, for Wanga as well on the opposite side. I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about, especially as Butte comes on in the way that he has the last couple of games. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely more to think about than I think we thought previously, right? Like it gives yeah. another wrinkle um, that they could potentially throw at it. That doesn't require, a like a, a you know like a like a like a quote unquote true nine, right? Because again, I think you do have a guy that is more like in Carlosville that is going to be able to interpret that space very well, and again, and is good a great is a great passer. So again, if you're going to have a guy that's going to spring two wingers, you know that again that are going yeah. to be dan- goal dangerous, you know maybe maybe that's what it looks like, right? It's, it's almost, yeah. Like I that. mean, even you, you can still go and I would still advocate that they do it because I still think this is a, this is a profile missing from the team. Go get yourself a striker. But like you said, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to go sign Lukaku, right? If you have Vela that can do the job. Okay. And a, and a serious threat on the opposite wing, then you just have to go get Christian Ramirez again, whoever it is. Right. Um, and if they come good, then great. Now you have four attackers that you can trust and different profiles that you can throw out at different teams based on what they're going to do, how they defend, whatever, what you need late in the game. You can put more attackers on. Um, that's a great thing. Uh, but I do. Um, I, I think I think Lozano makes so much sense for so many different reasons. Who knows how many, how much of these rumors are actually true at this point. Because you and I have been talking about him for so long, Josh, it's like, and it's just kind of like this speculation thing of ours where it's like, ah, oh, yeah, he's a Mexican superstar. He plays the same position as Vela. He's the right age. His career in Europe seems to have fizzled out in a similar way to Carlos's, right? It seems like all the stars are aligning to make it happen. 
Yeah, um, and the Mexican press will be just as hard as on the just as hard on him for the move <laughs> yeah. that they were Carlos Velo. But at least at that point, yeah, yeah. he doesn't have to hear it. He can tune it out, right? You're in L- right. you're in L.A., right? So the upside of that is, like yeah. I said, is and and again, I think that's the appeal for uh, Hector Herrera. It's the appeal for a lot of these guys that are in that are in that because Herrera is what 30, 30, 31? I think he's like thirty four, man. No, I don't think he's. I don't think he's in that Vela. I feel like he's super old. Um, you just Herrera, think he's young because of all the plastic surgery. I'm telling you, this is true. I mean, talk about a glow up. Yeah. He's 33. A carve so, up more like it. Yeah. yeah. So I get, so um, again, so even then, like, but why, why do you make that move to major league soccer versus going back to Liga MX? Right? Yeah. I mean, you're out of the pressure cooker. I mean, this is another reason that so many American fans rightfully so say that young Americans need to get out of MLS because you get comfortable and you never get any better. Look at, take your pick of a, of a random 28, 29 year old MLS player. And like, how much have they progressed in the last five years? Like, I mean, just throw them out there. Walker Zimmerman, Aaron Long, Jordan Morris, Christian Roldan, Will Trapp. Like, just go through all these guys that have kind of been hanging around. Kellen Acosta to a certain extent, right? Mm-hmm. I love Kellen's game. But like, and I think he was hard done by Dallas and by Colorado. Uh, and that's probably why he didn't make it to Europe in time. But like there there's something there's it's a different level of pressure and you either sink or swim over there and i i, I man i it's, i do think you're right that you can come here and be a lot more comfortable so maybe maybe this is it for chucky i mean it's why it's why the press went after chicharito the way that they did when he yeah. came back right but I mean, but at least but thinking so with chicharito by the time he finally came back he's already 34, 35? Yeah, like, I mean, but he was he was the guy, though, right? For sure, for sure. But he, I mean, like he I said, had been, he I'll had been at him, clubs. But he was like he was at West Ham before before coming back, right? So it's like, you know, like whereas a lot of these guys couldn't even dream it of getting to the level that he that right. he was at, right? Right. So that's the thing. It's like, okay, if you were to think like with Chicharito, at least he was at United, then Madrid. Then mm-hmm. had a nice run at Leverkusen. Probably should have stayed, yeah. to be fair. Yeah, yeah. And then even at West Ham, looked halfway decent before coming, you know, before May. I think it was at pit stop in Sevilla before coming all mm-hmm. the way back to L.A. But, again, I think at the at the way that his, the trajectory of his career, right, he's just looking for that last contract that makes sense, right? And, and yeah. again, and still could do it at a fairly high level, you know, comparatively, you know, same thing with Carlos Vela. Carlos Vela is probably even different because he came in his true prime right at 28. Yeah. Right. Versus which would be the same as Chucky. But again, it's again, I don't, sometimes I do wonder, right. If some guys end up making, trying to extend that dream for too long and then not leaving themselves with enough cushion on the way out to get the big, the, the big contract on the way out. Yeah. Yeah. Look, because, I mean, you know, I, Where's yeah, his I, next move? He'd have to be, and I would, I would, I would almost guarantee you, Vela would be in his ear too, saying, "Dude, this is the time. Look at what I was able to do in 2019, and since that, I mean, he's had Carlos had a great run, right? Now, to be clear, I don't think Chucky is anywhere near the level of Carlos. Like Carlos has a different level of technical ability than most other players." 
in North America in the last 15 years. Most other players, period. I mean, the yeah, man at one point true. was like, yeah. you know, like I would, the, so again, if you guys haven't seen this video, I'm going to, I'll, I'll post it back onto my Twitter, but it basically talks about it, Like I noticed at one point, like he's like, in terms of like goals and assists, I think he was like ahead of Kareem Benzema and Griezmann. And then ahead mm-hmm. of in, in assist was ahead of Iniesta at one point. Wow. Like in, yeah. in a single season. Right. So it's like, Again, like he's he's clearly talented enough to be up there with the you know with the best of the best, but for one reason or another, just didn't. You know, again, he's he's also a guy that, but at the same time, he's a guy who's treated his career as just that. It's a career. It's a job. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and the funny there's thing there's something is, respectable about that. I should say absolutely because not, at the not same everybody time, has to be Ronaldo level of insane. Or when it yeah, comes to you know, again, and I think we're just used career. we're just used to athletes, especially if you're in LA, right? The Kobe Bryant's of the world that treat it, yeah, it is your life. Yeah. But when we think about our lives as individuals, right? You, you and my, you, both of us, you know, like I've made a, I thought I was set with my career, but made yeah. a huge career move within the last year, only because I realized the only thing that mattered to me was really my family, right? Yeah, and yeah. maybe Carlos will set it the same way. And again, just because he's a professional athlete doesn't mean that he has to look at his career any different than I do. Right. So as a dad, I'm like, oh, I get it. it makes sense. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, people at my company complain all the time about the fact that like I spend so much time coaching and like working with my kids, taking my kids out to the fields or, you know, other people's kids, whatever. But like, I mean, I get it. Like I, it's a bit, it's a boy, it's a bit more mercenary. Right. Yeah. I do that for money and then I, I get my enjoyment from playing and teaching the game to my kids. So like that, I totally get it. That's why it's like, it's for as much as like, that's why sometimes I do, like I said, I do enjoy the pundits trying to understand Carlos Vela or trying to rationalize what, you know, like how they treat him. Because again, at the same time, it's like you would never you would never say that about anyone else's job. Right, right. Right. Yeah. And how you you should love it. I'm like, mm, it's a job. He's still yeah. gotta show up at, you know, like for practice and training. I'm like, you know, like I you know, if I I work remote, I get annoyed that I have to wake up and sit on a Zoom meeting for an hour. <laughs> I feel like there's an office episode. Uh I think Michael goes and boos somebody. And gets called out. I think it might be Daryl that calls him out for having booed at somebody at their job. And he's like, how would you like it if somebody came to your job and booed you? Right. Man, what is it that I can't remember what Michael's booing about? Uh, oh, now I remember. It's uh, it's when Andy's doing Sweeney Todd. <laughs> Not that anybody cares about this, yeah. but he starts booing because, you know, Andy and, and he didn't get the role. And whoever got the role of Sweeney Todd is making everybody happy by putting on a brilliant performance or whatever. But yeah, I, I kind of, yeah, I, you know, but nobody comes to my job and, and booze me when I am <laughs> putting in screws and surgery or whatever. Yeah. I, I guess it's a bit rich for how much we criticize people's performances here, but. No, this is true. <laughs> but I mean, again, like, I guess that's what you sign up for when you, when you take the job. Yeah, a very public profession like that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the goals a little bit. 
we've kind of talked about Carlos as he's got great, there's like good lateral movement to stay on side and still get behind the back line. The, the flick and the vision from Buke is brilliant. And he, again, he's a bit more central. He's not over on that left side where he feels like for whatever reason, he's got to do it on, on his own. Um, he's two good games from Buke. The goal from Reynoso is this, <laughs> that goal is class, man, from the entire, mm-hmm. from the entire team. It's frustrating to watch them just move the ball around so efficiently around our midfield. And Reynoso just come flying out of the midfield after having touched the ball once or twice untracked but the flick over the finish john mccarthy doing john mccarthy things kind of like not sure if he should come out and, and try and claim that ball i think he starts to and then realizes reynoso is behind so then he, that's why he freezes so gonna give him a bit of grace there but um yeah a, a class goal from minnesota and honestly they had played so well the first 25 minutes i'm surprised there weren't more they almost I mean, gave they're... up a goal on a header to yes. a guy named Hassani Dotson, uh, who Matt Doyle last year told me was going to be the next big thing for the USMNT, but that's Matt Doyle. So, I mean, take it for what it's worth, right? But you if know, you're like- wondering, if you're wondering why we're so hostile to state media and to pundits like like Doyle, that's it. It's that there's constant hype for very middling players throughout the league. Um, and I realize at this point it's a troll, which is why it's best just not to even engage on that stuff. Just mute the man on Twitter. Um, but yeah, this is, this is why Josh and I have so much contempt for state media. Yeah. I mean, the, it's, it's amazing when you look at that goal from Minnesota, it's like what attackers who are used to playing through the middle do when they're in the middle of the field, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like, Oh, Timu Puki is a center forward and knows how to play center forward. And good Reynoso is, yeah, just is so a ten good. who understands how to get into the into those spaces. Yeah, um, you know. Whereas we talked about this last week a little bit at, at times, right? Where while LFC has collected a ton of talented players, they're often played in positions where they're capable but not necessarily thriving. Yeah. Right? And I think this yeah. is an, that was an example again, and not to give. Minnesota, and again, I, I generally can't stand watching Minnesota play because, again, um, I think Reynoso and Puki deserve better than Adrian Heath in terms of how, how they go about their football. But it was, you know, again, it, it is, it's a perfect example of, again, when you play guys where their strengths are, that's usually going to be the, that's going to be the result, right? Is that you're going to yeah. get yeah. class play. Yep. Uh, yeah, just, Great goal from them. And then kind of a long way uh, to a draw after that. Uh, I do feel like we should talk about uh, one more thing here regarding the Chucky Lozano rumors. Um, Just to make sure that everybody knows, it is possible for them to sign him. There is a third DP spot now with Vela and Bowanga and all the U22s, which uh, as of now... The U22s are Sifu, Palacios, and Buke. So if they were to go sign a DP tomorrow, it would have to be a young DP. Now, if they move Sifu, which I am questioning more and more at this point, I don't I like I don't know if it's hesitation from Rangers, hesitation from MLA, from uh LAFC. I have no idea. 
But if they were to move Sifu, they could technically buy down Cheeky's U22 because that he comes off of that at the end of the year. Uh, and then they would only have one in Buke. And you can have three senior DPs and one U22. And then Those Vela would come off at the end of this at year. At the end of the year. So then you would be able you to can decide a young DP, which they won't do because they only ever have two DPs for whatever re- whatever reason. It's always explained as flexibility, but then they never, it never seems to be like, you know, they're not bringing a Leo Messi, whatever. Um, so I, and then they could go get two more U22s um, or, you know, give Bogus a, a raise. Um, so it is possible for them to, to sign a third senior DP. They can technically even buy Carlos down, but I think it would take just about all the. So I game. read that. I, yeah, I did raise either. It's going to cost an absolute ton or it's actually, or there's a potential that it may not be able to do it all because of the way that his contract was structured. Unless again, it was structured in a way that we just, yeah. it was front loaded or something along that line where we just weren't aware of. How yeah. The other option out. would be if they get, because Chucky's coming, his contract ends at the end of the year. If they could do some sort loan. of loan and option to buy, like they put an agreement in with Napoli that like, hey, we realize he's coming off. Let's do a loan with an option to buy later and we'll work it out then. Uh, that's kind of doing Napoli, Napoli a favor as well. So but there's a handful loan, of ways. But I do know those loan, the loan mechanics are a little bit there are rules behind it because again, you don't want to end up in this Christian Pavone situation either. Yeah. 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 Right. So I know there's, there are, there are more complications with trying to do it as a, loan. so the, I mean, if they're paying is, if they're picking up his salary, it would have to still be, uh, it would have to still be 1.6 or less unless yeah. they're going to give him a DP tag. Yeah. Which I don't know how much he's making. So that's where it gets really complicated. Right. 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 But so, I mean, again, that could be one of those things where, Napoli's willing to, I don't know all the inner workings, who knows, but if theoretically you could do this, then that might, it might be a good, if they're going to, if they're going to, if Napoli's going to lose on Chuki because he's going to walk and they want to make some money out of it and LAFC agrees, Hey, we'll pay 1.6 for now on whatever wages he has. You pick up the rest of the bill and then we'll, we'll give you a transfer fee or something. We'll sweeten the pot. We'll, we'll actually exercise the option to buy his contract at the end or whatever, however that would work. I don't know. Um, but it might be one of those things where they, they look to help each other out. Yeah. I mean, like really though, even it's probably going to run somewhere around 15 mil for that transfer. I mean, that's, that's what was, I think reported before. Well, actually, no, that was, that was, I think what the Saudis were, were willing to pay. Right. I think that's where that 15 million figure is coming from. But at the same, but it's like, I think the when you look at the again you don't obviously you don't want it to lose him for nothing but at the same time it's like it's still not going to be I don't think he's going to come it would come cheap if you're going to have to make the no, money for him no because I think like his transfer market value is like twenty five million or I'm something sure like it's that. something stupid right because I think it was a big move for uh, it was probably about twenty five to thirty from PSV to to Napoli is would be my guess that they paid. Probably that's probably where that figure comes they from. They pay, yeah, they paid forty, I think. Oh, it was that. So there you go, right? It was forty, 40 or forty-five. Everybody's. I mean, it was at like the height of the of the madness a couple of years ago, right? Where mm-hmm. everybody was going for a hundred million, um, 
and everybody's values have deflated. Um, but yeah, I, I would be willing to pay a, a, a decent amount if it were me making the decision. I also think that if he's going to, if they're going to hold out for 15 million, because that's what the Saudis are, are offering, you could go get a great center forward for 10 million. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you could go get somebody really, really effective uh, to be a centerpiece for you for a while. So it wouldn't have to be him at that price tag, but we've yeah. already talked about the other reasons. Uh, the other part of this, Josh, sorry, I know I'm droning on here is I guess I'm a little bit worried about these rumors because I feel like, again, you and I have talked about it for so long. And then all we have is Gar says like literally pleading the fifth on a show. And then it's like, boom, there's sources out of there's sources everywhere saying, Oh, they're, they're in talks. They're in advanced talks. They really want to sign them. Um, I mean, I know that they work together in Pachuca, but uh, who know, who knows, Josh, who knows how much of this is concrete. Yeah. I mean, again, like it could be, it could all be smoke and mirrors, but at the same time, like there's more to this one that I think than, than there have been in, you know, at other times, right. Like I said, yeah, yeah. I think given, given the time of his career, um, what, what we've seen from Carlos Vela, those guys did play together on the national team, right in that in that World Cup, on yep. opposite sides of the field, I believe. Yeah, I think yeah. Chucky started on the right, and Carlos played on the left. Um, I think Carlos played was, a bit of ten in that in that World Cup also, too. That's that was Tecca the Germany Tito game. Played. I think he was playing as as a ten. Yeah, so you know the there there is some familiarity in chemistry, so I'm sure there there's probably conversations being had. Um, but again, I think there's just, again, maybe it's one of those situations where it makes too much sense that it's now become the easy talking point where they, you know, while they, you know, cook up some of the random move to bring in. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense than Suarez, to be totally honest. For sure. I mean, I actually like it. Do you like it better than the Obamayang move? No. I think Obama Yang is exactly what you were looking for in a center forward who uh, was going to be able to play all three positions effectively, but um, has been playing there for years, you know, predominantly, predominantly as a center forward for years. Uh, but dude didn't want to come. What are you going to, what are you going to do? Yeah. Cause like at that point, it's like okay, I do, I do like. It's like hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So it's like okay, knowing what his attitude seemed like it was towards the whole thing, you probably dodged the bullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and then, you know, and then, Chugi probably again that you're gonna sell him on whatever Carlos Vela's experience has been with the club, right? Yeah. So, I, I mean, know. Carlos had a great run, man. MVP, Golden Boot. Uh, two supporter shields, MLS Cup, right? I mean, he's been well, and it brought him back into the conversation for being one of the greatest players that's ever, you know, donned the yeah. L tree kit, right? Like, yeah, for a long time, like he was just looked as that, uh, what could have been guy, right? Mm-hmm. Then he comes back, and when was the last, you know, like I couldn't believe how many people were begging for him to be, t- you know, to go to Qatar, yeah, right. Yeah. Or, you know, just to make an appearance, you're just like, wow. Like, people have already forgotten a lot of what their criticisms were 
towards him previously. Right. And I didn't, and, right. it, and again, it was half a season before he went to the, you know, it's like, yeah, half a season before he went to the World Cup in 18. Mm-hmm. Right. And then roll into it or no, half a season. Yeah. Half a season. Right. Then he, where he, when yeah. he left for the summer and then rolled into the greatest season of his career. Yeah. Arguably the that. greatest season in MLS history. Yeah, I mean, like, to the point where, like, obviously, when you look at the grand scheme of things, if you're going to compare him and Zlatan, Zlatan's career arc, definitely his highs are far higher than what what Carlos Vela has done, right? But for yeah. whatever reason, right, he got to the point where, again, that conversation became him versus Carlos versus Zlatan, and people were happy to jump on the Carlos Vela train at the time, too. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Okay. Uh, anything else from this one before we get into questions? No. I mean, again, per- it was a perfectly acceptable performance. Obviously, you wish you get out of there with a with a win, a one one nil win. But at the same time, going to a place like Minnesota where you haven't won in like forever, yeah, if at all, I think it's the yeah. only team they visited more than more than twice and have yet to win. Did we ever win in Vancouver regular in regular season? Yes, like the we, first couple, they whacked Vancouver a couple of times. Okay, and then we went. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought we hadn't won there till at least this year. It seems no, like people are still talking about that this in year. Er, I believe like early years they still LFC was able to do well. Okay, there. okay. All right. Um, first one is from Jonathan at Boozology. The arrival of Messi has all the roster regulations under heavy scrutiny. Ooh, this is a fun one. What would you change if you were MLS, Josh? Magic wand time. Raise you the salary. To change cap roster to, rules. Salary cap to twenty million. I think that's really all you have to do. So no no restrictions other than you can't go over twenty million. Yeah. Like if if you're not if you're not talking about like yeah, like the easy thing to say is like pull it off completely, let them do whatever the heck they want. Right. Yeah. But that's that's too easy of an answer, right? Like I'm I think if we're gonna go something where you're gonna have because of the players, the you know the the role of the players' union and these different things, I think if you, what the the current cap is what five million or six million, something like that. I think so. I think it's six, maybe six and a half. Yeah. So if you're realistically, oh no, it's four point two four. Oh no, that's two thousand nineteen. Um. Yeah. It's some. It's it's five point two million in twenty twenty three. Right, okay. so I need you to quadruple the, the salary cap. Yeah, and I think I think I, I think it, I I take it a step further. Actually, I would say you cap it at twenty five million, and then you have carve outs for. I still like the homegrown idea. I think that's a great way to incentivize teams to play youth and to like make sure that they foster kids coming along. Um, no limit on transfer fees. Don't don't roll transfer fees into the salary cap. I understand that agents play games and they can they can figure out ways to get people paid more. I don't care. Like Leo Messi just signed with Inter Miami and we're willing to break every rule possible. And you should. You should. But I'm I'm okay with there being some semblance, some some level of parity. So go ahead. Take it at twenty five million, give some carve outs for homegrown players. Um, even if you, even if you wanted to say like, Hey, I, I, an American player, you can, you can take a certain amount off. Like if you're still worried about American players getting time, 
you can still have international slots that you require teams to use. I'm okay I with that. I mean, they do that in England and in, yeah, it, it, in every other professional common. league. Italy, it's, Italy especially, I, um, it's not uncommon. Uh, but yeah, the training wheels have to come off. They have to come off because I, I think most people that listen to this show are going to understand the implications of signing Leo Messi to your league, especially a league like MLS. But I don't think general, like the general American public does. Yeah. And it's, it is absolutely time to let other teams compete for the same, not obviously there's nobody else like, like Messi out there, but let them compete for huge stars. Let them go out and be willing to, to spend on big transfer fees and pay big salaries. Um, I'd even, I might even be okay with a luxury tax to be totally honest with you. That way you can go out and you can grab a $15 million a year, whoever, right. And still put a decent team around them. Uh, you just got to pay the luxury tax. Yeah. So then it would be, I could, I could see that. So you go 25 to 30, right. Is your, is your, your, is your, you get rid of all funny money. Yeah. Right. Gone. Yeah, Cause even the NBA does this stupid, like mid-level exception thing and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, because teams get put up against the cap when they right. make dumb signings. But I think if you can maintain the ones for homegrown players, put a big cap in place for your senior, like a larger cap for your, you know, so basically you can pay one through 11 average salary, three, 3 million. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of, that's kind of why I say like, let's take it to 25. Cause you could have a 23 man squad theoretically that all makes a million with a handful that make a little bit more. And like this team, your league would vastly improve if all 23 players on the senior roster were making a million dollars a year. Yeah. I think you go, I think you go 25 million, 25 million. You maintain the three DP spots. To so blow it out. I, see, and I, I, I don't want anything to do with these designations anymore. <laughs> I want them gone. But I, but I, I, I do. I then again, I'm saying, hey, because do, there are, there is going to be. Because I think I do enjoy, I do like max contract stipulations. Yeah. Right. Because it puts it, it, it makes the re-sign situations and some of those things a little bit better and more palatable than mm-hmm. what you currently see. And you know, like, um. You know, like uh, maybe not so much like the restricted free agency type of stuff or whatever, like in other sports, but it, I think you're more likely to keep people if you have, if you do have a, a max salary in a max salary, either charge, max salary charge, right? In place. So again, you can say, okay, your max salary is 5 million, right? That you can pay anyone. Right, like right now, I think it's five hundred k. So max salary is five. I think I think it, I think that's the six hundred thirty figure, right? Yes, is the max right. salary. Yeah. yeah. So you just you basically just you take that to five million, and then again, if you get because you need to leave yourself room to bring in Messi for yeah three hundred million, and I don't want to have to hear about all these roster things that they did to do it. Right, right, right. right? We all know there's funny business. We're all yeah. okay with it. Give me three spots where I said his budget charge is going to hit five million, and I can pay him three hundred million behind the. Yeah, right. I don't care. I kind of like that money. idea. 
give it set set the salary cap at twenty five, um, and then and then have a maximum budget. St- you still have a maximum budget where it's like, hey, and maybe it's three between three and five. I think that's probably a good a good figure, and then you can add like a couple spots that. Uh, I'm not I'm like I know in the NBA they have max contracts, super max contracts, whatever. They all sound like prisons to me. Um, like all these contract designations that they have. Um, but yeah, I, I'm maybe, maybe that's how it is. I do think, I do think that they just have to let teams do their thing. Yeah. Because even say, for example, there's how many, how many senior roster spots are there? 23. I don't don't know. I said 23 just because like, that's, that's where my head automatically goes with like a, a typical roster. Right. Um, but well, there's probably not even that many, because I think that gets down into supplemental spots. Yeah, um, which I, I also don't understand. So twenty, twenty, okay, twenty. So you have the thing if if you're talking twenty twenty senior spots with a max with a max with a salary cap of twenty five twenty five. That means your salary your your basic your average salary per, for spots one through twenty of senior spots is. Five million a pop, right? Your, your league, you're you're basically gonna fly into the top five leagues, talent wise. Already, yeah. I mean, assuming you can still attract the talent, right? Money doesn't always solve the problem, and the Saudis are gonna figure this out after For a sure. couple of years, right? Although I think they've but done I, a much better job than China did. Absolutely, uh, but the infrastructure I think is better. Infrastructure for MLS is a lot better yeah, than yeah, it is. Yeah. Because again, you can also you can't, you know, like I said, whether it's the Chinese League or the Saudi the Saudi League, what else is there to attract superstars beyond right. the money that you're paying them to play the game? As yeah. opposed to again, the the reason why the Messi deal is such a big move is because of all that it's it's what's promised as an addition. Same mm-hmm. thing with David Beckham. Like you promised him ownership that now gets him messy, you know. 10 yeah. years later or whatever, right? So so I think the, I, one of the more exciting things about this idea, about going to something like this and really opening it up is when you build a team and you actually spend at your salary cap, all of us, let's say all, I don't know, what is it, 31 teams in MLS now? How All 31 teams, however many there are, spend the $25 million somewhat efficiently all of a sudden, Christian Roldan is like the worst player on a team, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not to pile on this poor man who just missed a penalty to lose the game against Panama. Um, is to point out that like right now, he is the answer. We hear this all the time from people in and around MLS. He's the answer to who's the first person that you would put on your team if you were doing a franchise today. And they always say Christian Roldan because he's not international. And the contract that he's on, enables you to go get bigger superstars to put around him. And he's a great role player in MLS. Yeah. And Same that's thing. his it's, level. The guys are Walker Zimmerman, Karen Long, Kellen Acosta, Christian Roldan. Yeah, like, all the guys will track everyone all the guys that we, we love to up, right? that we love to yeah to to talk trash about in on you know in on the podcast. Like yeah. that's that is the favorite for a specific reason. Everybody right? below that level either has to get good as the kids would say, or find a different place to play because the level of the league has actually risen that. And and 
to me, that's, that's how you, that's the allure of taking the training wheels off. Now, the one caveat I will add is that USL, uh, and our second division has to be more built up. It's never going to happen as long as the MLS has an absolute chokehold on first division football in this country, which is a USSF problem. But uh, the investment isn't going to happen in USL until there's the until there's a pathway to uh, to the first division, both for the clubs and the players. Right now, MLS doesn't get anybody from USL because they don't want that. Right. MLS has all their own little pathways because they want to control everything. Um, so that's one thing that would hurt the American players that are in MLS right now is there's not as many options. There's not as many strong options within the country that they can go to. Now, does the model then switch to something closer to minor league baseball and the affiliate system for how that works with, right? I mean, it kind of does in some ways, right? LAFC had had the lights for a while. Um, I think, you know, now, now they have MLS next pro again, this is further proof that MLS wants to control every level of the soccer pyramid in the U S right. All those, uh, MLS squads that were in USL are now competing in MLS next pro or whatever the alphabet soup league that they're playing in is right. They took all of those teams away uh, otherwise, I think it could have been a good a good landing spot for them. But yeah, because is. again, like the current, even like in the pro the pro rel leagues, like it does weird me out when you have like you know like the Real Madrid twos or whatever it may be. Like yeah, in yeah, those second yeah. divisions, like it doesn't. It still feels like it cheapens it to a certain degree. Whereas, like I said, when you look at minor league baseball, it's truly that. Right, and again, you have you, the teams can work out contracts with affiliates and do their whole thing. Yeah, yeah. They still compete in their in their league, and you can have promotion and relegation, but you don't. So you don't take away from that, and it becomes the grassroots part of the game that often becomes more popular than the actual, right? Than the actual game itself, right? Like the the or than the than the top tier league, because I think mm. one thing that you can point to is like look at look at how many people still love ran, you know, like you're for as you're, you know, like you still are going to root hard for BYU football. Yeah. Every yeah. year. Right. Regardless of what, con- you know, they're non-conference right now or whatever, like big 12 baby just announced. Right. So like, <laughs> but like that, that the whole thing, right? Like you're still going to have because of the locality of these different things you're going to have, if you do it the right way, there's going to be a market and a fan base for it. Yeah, outside of yeah. whatever else is going on, and I think there's a there's a way to go about it, and then still provide a pathway if you with with those with the teams getting involved, right? So then it becomes, you know, the yeah. I mean, I'll give you I'll give you a great example of of why an open system would be good in this country, and Flagstaff, Arizona, where I currently live, is a great example. There's about a hundred thousand people here. We're a geographically geographically isolated town. We're 120 miles from from Phoenix, um, college town. So plenty of people looking for things to do. Very outdoorsy. Soccer is a very a very popular sport here. If you were able to put a fourth or fifth division team here, where somebody would actually be willing to invest, and they're only going to be willing to invest if there's 
a promise of a return later or, or the allure of a return later. And I realize this is a heavily romanticized version of promotion. I get it. Okay. So let me address that argument right away. Uh, and I'll even steel man it for them. Mo- like we could start one tomorrow. And if we were in England, right. And chances are, we're never going to get promoted to a, a professional status. I get it. Um, but being able to put somebody to put a club here that competes in a regional league with the prospect of eventually going to a nationally like a national professional league, whether that's third, second or third tier, that's what drives the interest. That's what drives an investor and a coach and, and players to come and take on the challenge, right? Is that you can eventually just by getting better and competing year after year, you can rise. You can you can continue to rise up the table and up the different leagues. Um, again, that's only part of why an open system is so important. The, the bigger part is the youth system. Now here in Flagstaff, underneath that, we could build a youth academy that actually trains kids properly and gives them a pathway to the professional leagues, right? And that, to me, that's the most important part of an open system is, is having proper academies everywhere as opposed to what we all know is pay to play clubs, youth clubs, that is. But that's a long answer for Jonathan here. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he's satisfied. <laughs> uh, next one, uh, shoulder to shoulder podcast. With MLS set to take on Arsenal in their all star game, is this your preferred format? If not, what would you prefer? Well, first off, I want to hear shoulder to shoulders uh, opinion on this too. So please, on your next episode, like uh, let us know what you think. But go ahead, Josh. What would you say? My favorite was ultimately was the Liga MX versus MLS, but then then mm-hmm. the league the leagues had to turn it into the like you know bastardize it and turn it into the worst version of it and, and turn it into the cash cup. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, like, people like this thing. Let's expand it to thirty two teams and play an entire tournament for two weeks in the middle of the summer. Mm-hmm. Like, because yeah. I think it, it, it had it felt like it had high stakes. It yeah. was fun. It it you know you had like it did all things because again when you do it against these English you know the European teams, they're on preseason. They don't really care. They're playing. They're not going to play their best, right? Versus when you did Liga Mekis versus MLS, you felt like there was some like you know people had skin in the game. Like there was yeah. there was a point of pride, and it felt. Like the old NBA All Star games used to, when it was East versus West, it was Jordan yeah. versus Magic, and there was something to prove. Again, maybe that dies out over time once, once by the time it's all said and done. But like, I don't know. I, like I said I do. I do think it was ultimately the whole thing was ultimately ruined by them now looking at it and just trying to create another competition with the same stuff. But yeah, so they they had a good thing, as is often the case with MLS. They stumble onto something good. And then they realize, oh, we can squeeze some more money out of this. So they do, and it's and it's gone, right? Uh, the what the question I want to ask though is, uh, well, the thing I want to I'll point this out first. All star games are uniquely American, right? And there's they are something fun. Oftentimes they're in the middle of the season. So base when I think of the all star game, I think of the baseball, you know, the MLB all star game, which when I was a kid was was pretty cool, right? But what it's do probably you really still the best of? one, right? Yeah. 
and, and the I think I think the NBA All Star Game is right there. I think the NHL is actually pretty good. But like, what do you really remember about these All Star Games? Right, you already mentioned the dunk contest, right? No, the dunk contest is the big one for the NBA All Star Game. Goalie that, wars is what you remember from no, that. No, 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 no. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe that's what it ends up being. I don't know. Uh, the NHL has a skills has like a skills thing and that's like the big draw there. Uh, but for me, whenever I think of an all-star game, like my mind immediately goes to Ken Griffey Jr. in the home run derby, mm-hmm. backwards hat, everybody, like everybody's just on the field as these guys are just taking batting oh, practice. The home run derby cranking. the home run derby was must see TV compared to baseball as a whole. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to me, that's that whatever that feeling was, and maybe it was just me as a dumb kid being obsessed with Ken Griffey as I was and as we all were, right? Um, but like that is the feeling that you want to recapture with an MLS All-Star game. You're not going to get that with MLS versus Arsenal. It's just never going to happen. It, it's not. Uh, I don't think exhibition games against big European clubs are are anything that are going to help grow interest in the game here in the U.S. I think it's actually kind of silly to say like, oh, we're going to get all of our best players and we're going to play against the one of the best teams in Europe. Like that, it just screams inferiority complex. Absolutely. Um, like everything else that comes out of MLS and this, and, and its associates. So I don't, I don't know what the best format is. I think it probably is East and West. Now, if you ask me what ruined the MLB All-Star game was interleague play <laughs> because yeah. like now you see the National and American Leagues play against each other all the time. And what was so interesting to me about that is, you know, you have all these different rules about, you know, DH versus no DH, all these other things. And you never saw the Dodgers and the Angels play unless it was in the World Series, right? You never saw all the any of these teams play and at the beginning of interleague play, I thought it was the coolest thing ever, right? Like, oh, we're going to get a subway series with the Mets and the Yankees. We're going to get a freeway series with the Angels and the Dodgers and all these matchups. But now it's like, now it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, just like just like MLS, so they had something cool and they wrung more out of it and now it's gone. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like, it's special until it's not, right? And, yeah. that's, and that's unfortunately the way that and MLS tink- either tinkers with it too much, or ha- you know, or is so greedy that they have they can't help but squeeze the life out of it. That ultimately, regardless of what format you choose, they're going to ruin it at some point. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I I don't I don't know what the answer is. I think East versus West is probably the best way to go. Um, I think it would still be interesting to watch. You know. Uh, Ricky Pooj and Carlos Vela and Nico Lodero and, you know, a handful of other guys from, from the West play against the stars from the East. I think, and I think that kind of like natural innocent rivalry between the two during a fun weekend is still cool. I, I really do think you need to settle on a good skills competition. I don't know what that ends up being. I think the crossbar challenge is a good one. I think if you just let the all-stars choose partners and did some sort of like juggling, competition thing where they're pinging balls to each other 45 yards away or like, you know, doing something almost make it like the dunk contest where people come out and judge what they do. 
Uh, I think I think you could generate some interest that way from skills. Goalie wars, bring bring that back. Fine, that that sounds good to me. That you know whatever. Um, but I do think I do think you need those two components. You need some natural rivalry on the on the field, and you need you need a skills competition that is exciting. Yeah, I mean, if you can take whatever those like FIFA the FIFA mini games and turn that into a thing, then you're going to get it. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. I kind of like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, so. I mean, again, it's until then it's, you know, it, we're all recognize exactly what it is. It's just another way for them to make money. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately. I also think it would be cool. Uh, the NBA, I think this is one of those, the NBA has a celebrity all-star game, right? Like mm. go get some of these commentators out there. They're going to have a lot of blown, a lot of blown ACLs if they do this, but like let's see, let's see Matt Doyle put his money where his mouth well, is. They, I, I want to see Matt just, Doyle run. They just run had like a big um, five-a-side tournament, yeah, right. That took was like, and it was pretty popular, right? Like people yeah. wanted to see it. You get mm-hmm. like the YouTube people involved. You get you know ex pros involved. Steve Nash shows up. You know whatever it may be. Like people, you know, like it, that that aspect of it where it's like more high fast pace it's meant for the you casual audience this is a good idea actually you could set it up so you have the mls all-star like make it a tournament right kind of like you did with league mx right where it's there's points over the weekend that you go accruing but like you vote on the all-stars whatever all the all-stars play in a game but then also they can set up a five aside and they can play futsal and they could also do three on three. They could also you know, goalie whatever whatever these little competitions are, and make it like one giant competition between East and West, and let the players have some skin in the game and put together let a the five players aside. choose their teams. <laughs> I think the NBA tried that, didn't they? They're still doing it, and it's kind of fun because you, it's actually most fun because you get to see who didn't who gets picked last. Yeah, yeah, you get to see like the shouting for who doesn't you know who doesn't like who because again in a, in a, yeah. in an age where most of those rivalries have gone out the door and people yeah. are really friendly. It is nice to see them kind of. You could actually see Ricky Pooge get picked last, like dead last because nobody actually likes him. Everybody yeah. respects his game, but no, but everybody hates him because he's kind of just like this prick. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. The next one is from Christopher Colonna. No team needs a break more than this one. Frankly, I'm happy they don't play one minute of soccer for the next 17 days or however many it is. JT must make some moves to get this team back on track. Hopefully he has something up his sleeve. Again, the assumption is always that he does in the summer, right? Is some, one of the things we talk about every year at this point is it always comes down to the wire in the summer window with LAFC. And I always go back to Brian Rodriguez, who we thought the window was done and dusted. And then like three days later, there's an announcement saying, surprise, they actually signed a third DP and nobody knew about it, right? Uh, so you just you just never know with, with JT because... Uh, it's always left late in these summer windows, probably because yeah. he's got multiple deals that he's like trying to juggle and decide on which one. And this player, if- and LFC has become a bigger player on the world stage, right? So then, after the success, or you know, that you've seen with with their bigger signings, um, you know, you're going. People aren't aren't going to be as easy in negotiations with you as I think they may have. Yeah, been yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Okay, Tom Kamaleri. I still haven't won in Minnesota. Tonight looked like another tired effort. Bawanga tried to do too much instead of centering a couple of balls. And Dolo sp- uh, spites the counter press listeners by giving Ordaz five minutes again. <laughs> this is freaking awesome. 
uh, 18 days off, time to get rested and ready. Uh, Tom has another one here. There have been three CONCACAF tournaments this year, and now MLS first Mexico tournament is starting soon. I mean, what's the difference in any of them at this point? The answer to that is nothing. They're all kind of low stakes uh, cash grabs. Like, let's pack as many fans in these big stadiums as possible. Uh, CONCACAF is thrilled uh, quite possibly more than at any other time that, like, SoFi is packed with uh, with L3 fans, right? Yeah. I mean, that, like, and that's the one thing we need, right? We need... You know, as as U.S. national team supporters, we do need some help from the L Tree fans to actually absolutely put a stop, put a stop to the shenanigans <laughs> at Concacaf. Because again, that's tr- that's actually who's who's the target audience. It's not yeah US, yeah, na- yeah U.S. national fans. And that's fine. Like they, they are the biggest soccer demographic in the country. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I hope people don't don't take but that. They the wrong should way. demand more as fans. Like, yeah, yeah. Is what is where we're heading for in terms of like right. what that conversation is about. It's like, you know, like for them as fans, like I said, don't be played by the same thing that's allowing this nonsense to go on. It's why they never get a home, L3 never gets a home game. Yeah. Right. Like everything's played in the US. Why is all of League's Cup being played here? That's why people can complain all they want about uh, Gold Cup always being in the US, but <laughs> it's never going to be played anywhere else. As long as U.S.-based L3 fans continue to to buy those tickets, and again, I'm happy. I'm I'm thrilled that they do. I'm thrilled that they get to see the team that they feel most closely connected to play in front of their own eyes. Like I, I, that's something that I can't uh, that I love to do with my own family. So I like I get it, and I think you guys should continue to do that. Um, but it's not going to change until until there's dollars being spent elsewhere as well. Okay, uh, Lionel Hutz, how crazy is it that Will Trapp was once a regular USMNT call-up? Uh, I'm going to hit that one right off the bat. It's not crazy at all. He was with Greg Berhalter in uh, Columbus, Columbus, and Greg Berhalter is not a good manager. Like I, I know that people are tired of hearing me and you bag on Greg Berhalter and everybody else bag on Greg Berhalter. Greg has a very uh, rudimentary understanding <laughs> just like the rest of us, right? He he thinks that just because Will Trapp could hit a switch with, you know, moderate effectiveness that it was going to work on the world stage. Uh, Emmanuel Reynoso is such an incredible player. It's such a relief that Adrian Heath has built such a mediocre team around him. Yeah, I mean, he was he was electric last night. Just electric. Mm-hmm. So those Pookie and Reynoso deserve better than yeah. Adrian Heath. Uh, one more thing about Greg Berhalter. Why is he on a video? Like, just did you see the video of him oh, in the in the messy I'm announcement? I'm glad everyone started booing, dude. It's like it reads like a POW video. Like, Leo Messi, welcome to the United States. We're so thrilled to have. It's like whose idea was this to put this man in 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 the vicinity of Leo Messi. Like, it's just embarrassing, really. That It's disrespectful to Messi. It is disrespectful. It is disrespectful. Uh, I, I could... I want to say I couldn't believe it, Josh, but, like, given this federation and this league, I absolutely can believe it. That's how sad it is. It's sad that, like, you could have predicted that. And it's like this... 
grainy cell phone video. He's in like, you know, some Gildan t-shirt. Like, dude, enough with the t-shirts, Greg. Like, go. I I don't know. I'm I'm about to rant on Greg Berhalter again. Uh, Somber Amareth, we need a nine. Bogus is best in the midfield. Why did Boanga play so deep? His speed against Boxall was an obvious route to another goal. Josh? The depth, it's hard to tell. I mean, I think at that point where his, how far back Boanga was playing was just likely because they're trying to just, after you get that early goal, you're just trying to sit in, my guess. Yeah. I don't yeah. I, I don't think they're trying to do a whole lot after getting that first early goal. Um Given given what we've seen from the you know Trendelow's usual pragmatic nature, now yeah. on the flip side of things, with what was the other question again? Uh, Bogus is best in the midfield. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's I mean, yeah, he absolutely he, he is. Definitely you're hundred percent right that he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Alan Kine regarding Messi and MLS. What can you say? But awesome. And where's Sam stage cool when you need him? Frustrating game, poor passing and erratic defensive shape, lots of 1v1 battles lost, dislike substitution pattern again, but onward tonight, uh, onward toward rest, fresh legs and eyes. Here's an idea for the next phase of the season. How about Kellen at right back, tucking into a double pivot on offense? Midfield of Ilya, Tillman, and Bogush, Vela, Denny, and hopefully a new nine. Ryan is uh an offensive minded sub late Stepe for speed against higher legs and Ordaz to give uh creativity as a Vela sub. What is a this fanking li- dream, right? This Liverpool box midfield with the right back tucking in I mean the right back tucking <laughs> in into a what is it? A three three box three. Yeah, I mean if you do that, if you were to do that, I think first of all, I think you can do that effectively with with Hollingshead. I, I appreciate the idea of of Acosta doing it. I, I think that would I think he'd be fine there. To be totally honest with you, going into that box midfield with a back three in possession, I think would allow you to keep Tillman and Bogic much closer to goal. And as we know, both of them are goal dangerous from deep in ways that Kellen and uh, and Sifu probably are not. So I, I don't hate it. To be yeah. honest, I think the only thing is ask ask Ilya to do a lot. There. Yeah, yeah, and the other the other part of it is I do think if Velo's on the right wing there, and you have Bogus there in the half space, there's going to be a bit of like there of them stepping on each other, and no right back to truly overlap with Vela as he cuts inside. So yeah, and, and you can me. you can lean into that. You can you can have you can task Bogus as the guy that that gets forward, and and even Kellen to fill in that space. That's fine, um, but. I think that's the one profile where it'd be like, ah, I don't know about that. But the other thing is Palacios wouldn't be getting as far forward in that situation. Yeah, I would imagine. because again, like in the, when Liverpool does it right, it puts out, it puts Salah out super wide and he's way less effective right, as right. a winger than he is cutting in onto his left. Same foot. thing with Bowanga on the other side, to be totally honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, again, there's, there's, there's things that we, there's things to like, but also things that need, would need to be worked out. I think yeah. potentially if you flip them, then maybe it actually works out. Maybe a little bit. I'd better. almost rather you, if Hollingshead is going to sit, I'd almost rather you put. I'm trying to think about this because I, I still, I still like Palacios moving up and down the the left flank. Um, yeah. So it almost makes me want to put. 
like, I don't know, who, who's the Mario, maybe? But then at that point, you just, Mario you, Chiellini instead of playing and a box Fall, midfield, wouldn't you just play a 3 4 3? Yeah, you could. It's probably more natural, you know, and then you put, you probably put Steep at left, left wing back. Yeah, yeah, could be, could be. All right. Uh, anything else, Josh? No, I think that's it. Okay. For anybody curious about why I said Craig Burhalter and his rudimentary understanding of positional play, uh, I am more than happy to share a video with you all of him mixing up in a, in like an official MLS video produced by MLS with Bobby Warshaw and Matt Doyle. They're taking a lot of strays today, Josh. State media is uh, where... Greg Berhalter is trying to explain a numerical advantage and he's talking about it as if it were a positional advantage. Uh, so I do mean that. And I'm more than happy to share that video with you. Uh, Matt Doyle doesn't say anything except he just kind of like has a smile on his face and is nodding like, Oh yeah, that's, that's great stuff. That's great stuff. Greg. Anyway, uh, more than happy. If you're interested, let me know and I'll share that link. You can follow the show at counterpress underscore. You can follow me at Kirk Kinsey, Josh. LAC Josh on Twitter. All right, we just did an hour and 13 minutes on a 1-1 draw in Minnesota. We'll catch you all the next time LAFC plays, which I think is like a week and a half from now. Good night.